The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. We're very glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're participating as part of the Spirit of Recovery community. Visit us on Facebook, and uh, there's a new discussion thread about the week's topic, and we welcome your comments on there. And uh, you can like Spirit of Recovery on Facebook, and that's great, because we like to uh, post and, and communicate with you that way. We appreciate you also letting your friends and the people in recovery and in your unity community know about Spirit of Recovery. That's how we get the word out, and uh, we love hearing from you. And we're glad to know that our guests are uh, getting your thinking going about uh, new possibilities for recovery, new depths of recovery, and that they're touching your heart. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community, and we have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And we bring you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. The spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, and if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member in your own recovery as a family member, or if you're a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction, whether or not they are in recovery and you're simply looking for information, or if you're just somebody that wants to learn more about the process of recovery, we welcome you and we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor, and also I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And ever since that time, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles. And it's a walk that continues to deeply transform my life, and it keeps me growing. I am very grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about recovery and spirituality with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your walk with your higher power. On every show, we do give away a recovery book that's donated to Spirit of Recovery by the nonprofit Hazelden Foundation. And today we're giving away the classic meditation book, 24 Hours a Day. And uh, all you need to do to get your name in the drawing for that book is to send us an email at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, or you can call in at 888-558-6489. And that the number and that email address should also be on your screen here as you're listening. Also, during the second uh, segment and the third segment of the program, we would love to take your comments and questions for our guest, and so you can use that number or the email. We do get the emails during the show. So today, our topic is called Bridges of Spirit, and my guest is Bob Dickon. And Bob began his recovery in on October 31st of 1985, and he is a licensed chemical dependency counselor, and he received that certification on September the 1st, 1991. 
He's worked for a number of treatment centers, Parkside, the Arbor Treatment Center in Sherman, Texas, the Greater Dallas Council on Alcohol and Drug Abuse, and he was the director of the 12-step ministry for 12 years. And uh, Bob's got a lot to share with us. Bob uh, is uh, one of those wonderful people that builds bridges, and he's built a lot of trust and a lot of connections between the treatment community, the recovery community, and the world of religion and spirituality. And uh, for recovering people, when those three communities come together in a common spiritual bond, there's really powerful, powerful support for growth. So, Bob, thanks for being with us today. I'm really glad that you uh, are our guest and glad that you're joining us here today on Spirit of Recovery. My pleasure. Thanks for saying yes. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I and I know you've got uh, you've got a wonderful uh, recovery journey that you're going to talk with us about today, and, and a journey about spiritual growth. So, uh, I know that you were in, actually already in recovery for a couple of years and really working diligently at it, but didn't maybe didn't really feel like you had that that spiritual power going or that inspiration going that you that you really wanted. So, what happened? How did that? How did you get that spirituality going like you wanted it? Well, I was going to school to get my license, be a, a licensed counselor, and uh, one of my teachers uh, from Louisiana was a uh, recovering uh, minister. And we got quite close during the time we were working together. And one day he came in and he handed me a book and said, this might be what you need because I see that you are wanting to move further than you're able to right now. And he gave me a book called Serenity. A Companion for 12-Step Recovery. And what it is is the Bible, the New, New, uh, New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs, and it takes and it relates each step to a verse in the Bible or verses to the Bible. And when I started reading that, I said, oh, boy, this was it. And this book was really the beginning of my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. What was it about it that uh, spoke to you so strongly? The tying together of the excuse me, the tying together of the program and of of a God mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and religion, right? Yeah, you know, I, you certainly a lot of times you hear it, it's kind of a funny thing. Like you hear, you'll hear people coming into recovery, and of course, the twelve steps are a, a spiritual program. It's it's a spiritual program. But at the same time, people will come in and they feel maybe angry about religion, and it so. How does that work? Was that true in your case or or not? Oh, or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you go to an AA meeting, you see a lot of people are angry at God because of what they are doing, what they have. Um, that's just part of the recovery process. Uh, but, you know, I was uh, I was angry. Uh, I was a strong agnostic when I went to start going to the 12-step program. And uh, when I affected the first time I went to a meeting, I was driving home, and I was saying to myself, I don't need these people. They're a bunch of God addicts because uh, they were always talking about their higher power, God, and so forth. And I said, you know, I don't need that. But for the next 11 and a half months, I never missed a meeting. Mm-hmm. So something was working there for me. And uh, the, the, I loved the group. I was doing well. The great people there, great recovery. But then I... Uh, Started in, said that I wanted to be a, a counselor. Uh, I was reading, looking at what I needed, and I didn't. I really lacked a strong spiritual base, mm-hmm. and that's when Frank gave me this book. Mm-hmm. And bless his heart, it, it's a, it's a book that I have taken to my heart. Uh, while I was at the uh, uh, director of twelve step ministry, I was able to implement implement a program in the treatment centers and in the prisons in the state of Texas. And I gave away during those years about six thousand Bibles hmm. to the, mm-hmm. especially to the prisoners. They just loved it when I come in with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would go back to the next, a year later, six months later, and people stand there waving a hand and, and with the Bible in there, quoting quoting the, uh, the steps and the and the uh, uh, verses with me. So it was a great uplifting. In fact, it was the first one we went to. My wife and I went down to. Uh, uh, prison uh, outside of Houston, and from Houston here, it's a pretty good drive. But we walked in there, and it was a prison that I didn't realize didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> huh. And we were in a room, a huge room with 300 ladies, 
and two big fans on each sec on each side in front of two big doors, and no microphone. <laughs> wow! And I started working with them and, and showing them how the Bible and the, and the steps related to each other and how they would work through it, the program. And when we left, that drive back to to Dallas was the the shortest drive I've ever had. We were really on a high. It was just a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that those women related to when you were talking to them? What really touched their hearts? Well, of course, almost all of them had or have a drug or alcohol problem somewhere in the one themselves, their family. And they just locked on to uh, almost identify with practically everything I said. Uh, in fact, is later on I started doing a six-week program at uh, state prisons here in Dallas, and, and I did six weeks of them, and they were enthusiastic about it. They just, I would take a subject, you know, like acceptance or our families and, and uh, something like that and do a week of it, and uh, it, they were just really loving doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So let's um, back up a little bit, and what, when you got that book, uh, Beginning the Steps to Serenity, that this book that's the the Bible and the and matching the twelve steps up to different Bible verses. What what was the first thing that really spoke to you about that? And you said you'd been angry at God, and and that is a lot of times <clears throat> a part of the disease of addiction, both for the family members and for the person that's got the substance mm-hmm. part of that disease. What what was? Do you remember what the first thing was that sort of spoke to you or turned you around a little bit? Well, I had been, like I said, a little two years in recovery when it happened, so I'd worked pretty good on the steps and gone through them. But, you know, I said I was going through them second or third time. But it's just the the, the uh, spirituality and the serenity and the beautiful of uh, Jesus coming for the spirit, mm-hmm. to being here mm-hmm. for his spiritual father and being there for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just what it was what I was looking for. So, hey, I guess I was looking for religion. I mm-hmm. wasn't uh, very. In fact, is I left the church at thirteen and never came back till I was forty-five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because um, I was emotionally abused in churches, and but I knew that I needed it, and this was the opening for me to come back and and be open-minded and willing to have to hear this and put them together. It just it just worked together. It was great. It was just beautiful. Right, that's good. So it sounds like it, maybe it was the caring aspect of, of feeling like you found a God, a higher power, a relationship that was caring, and maybe before it had, had been really not caring, it had been really abusive. Yes, it, it, was, it was caring for who I was and mm-hmm. being understanding of my situation and not, being a, not pointing the finger and saying shame on you kind of stuff. Uh, right. There's no shame. There's no shame to the program. There's mm-hmm. no shame. It's it's we're there. We all have the same common problem, and we all work on the problem, and we work at it at our time and 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 energy to apply it to our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just opened up all kinds of 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 a, of a scenery for me to do it. It was just a wonderful feeling. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I feel I feel so blessed that I was able while I was there. Twelve-step ministry to be able to be able to for God to let me go to all of these places and do this for the people and know that some of them got it, some didn't. Some would call me later on and say, "Hey, I need another one of those books. You got it." Uh, it was it's one feeling that it was something. I was passionate on the program and, and the Word of God to, to many people, much more so if I just stayed in a, in, a, in a, myself in the group. Mm-hmm. I was able to work, work with a lot of people. It was a wonderful feeling. Well, tell us a little bit about um, how what this twelve step ministry was and how you got involved with that. Well, it was a member of the church. It started with a friend of mine. My wife and I started this program. Uh, the friend was a member of the church, and it was a, he was in recovery, and he was also a minister. And we got started with a, a program over there. And it was four couples of us that started it uh, about. Oh, 15 years ago, I guess, 16 years ago, something like that. And uh, it just came and he, he worked uh, as a director of it for a number of years. And then he uh, retired, I guess you'd say. He went to work for his, his uh, on the family ranch. And there was an opening, and Betty and I, my wife and I were there, and we uh, tried to find somebody on the search committee. 
and it ended up that, that uh, I said it was mine. Actually, what happened, um, we interviewed a lot of people for a job, and we found a couple of them, and one didn't work out. The other we really wanted, but just things didn't work out. And people had said to me, why, why don't you apply for jobs? Uh, this is made for you, the, the job description. I said, no, there's some things about that program I would not do. I hate to do it. would do, do anything like that. And I was happy with where I was at the time with a, a pioneer program with the Greater Dallas Council on Alcohol and Drug Abuse. And during that time, this little person we were trying to hire, it just fell through. No, no, no fault of anybody's. It just didn't work. Uh-huh. And uh, we discussed it, the senior pastor and I and my wife, and, you know, what are we going to do? We, need, we wanted to start over because we'd visited all these other people, and there wasn't anybody we wanted to go back to. So we were looking at another six months or so of maybe interviewing and stuff. And uh, just a few days later, I woke up, and, and I had a feeling. And I told my wife, you know, i got to go down and talk to Bill. She says, why? I said, I know somebody for the job. She says, who? I said, me. And she looked at me a funny and said, why you? You don't like that. I said, everything I had that I disliked on that job was there last night when I went to bed. But I woke up this morning, and the dislikes are gone, and I know that's my job. So we went down and, and uh, talked to the minister, and I was hired. Mm-hmm. So you you really followed guidance. You really listened to your to God to find out what was yours to do. He, uh, he held it for me for those six months while I was ready, because I was still down there uh, at the council, but then some things happened that made me ha- unhappy there. And I was ready for it, and uh, I had a beautiful 12 years working mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That's great. I know that you uh, are somebody that really does build bridges amongst all the communities. And kind of like what we were saying earlier, it's like on the one hand, the you know religion, recovery, the treatment centers all have a spiritual basis or part of what they're doing. But, it, but sometimes in kind of weird ways, they can get, get at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. You ever found that? Yeah, it was you know, uh, it's part of the program. Why that it's that uh, people run it themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, some some groups are better than other groups, and some groups are worse. It's uh, how strong the leadership is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, fortunately, I had one that had really strong, good uh, leadership, and we worked it like we were supposed to, and. And things were happening. It was beautiful work done in that that, that uh, program. Mm-hmm. We had about 50 in our group, mm-hmm. which was a large group. So, And, and we were struggling uh, with our, I guess, our behaviors because we were leasing a room from another group. And they finally got it. Uh, I don't know what they came up to us when they said, y'all got to move. We can, you can't be in here anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went out and found our own, own room. But we got crosswise with them, but we always laughed about it. said, well, we were there. We were reminding them of what they'd done to us. Because my group was a, uh, was the ACA, uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics. Hey, Bob, we're going to take a break right now, but hold that thought, and we'll talk about that right when we get back. So I okay. want to thank everybody for listening, and we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll start with the Serenity Minute, a brief moment to focus on a constructive idea, and then we'll keep talking with my guest, Bob Dickin, about Bridges of Spirit. We'll be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about The Soul of Money and how to handle this in a way 
that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is Bridges of Spirit, and my guest is Bob Dickin. But before Bob and I keep talking about um, this topic, about Bridges of Spirit, I want you to join me in for a moment of the Serenity Minute. I want you, it's just a moment to uh, relax and center ourselves in peace of mind and let go and let us uh, have that conscious contact with our higher power. So I invite you to relax and hear this constructive idea. I build bridges to my higher power through prayer and meditation. I build bridges to my higher power through prayer and meditation. Thank you for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and my hope is that that touched your heart and brought you a sense of peace and a greater connection with God as you understand God. And so now we're back with my guest, Bob Dickin. And Bob is a a recovering person, and he also is a person who is a licensed chemical dependency counselor. And he began his recovery in 1985, and he began working as a counselor in 1991. And Bob has worked at a number of treatment centers, Parkside, the Arbor Treatment Center, the Greater Dallas Council on Alcohol and Drug Abuse. And he's also was the director of the 12-step ministry for 12 years and has done a lot of service with people in um, prisons and other institutions and people all across uh, the recovery world. And he's a, a wonderful person that builds bridges among the recovery community, the treatment community, and the spiritual and religious community. So Bob, share with us um, about how he does that and what his journey is. So Bob, before the break, you were telling us that you are um, that you got into recovery um, in adult children of alcohol. Tell us a little bit about that, about how that, what that program is, and what drew you in there, and and uh, what it's done for you in your life. Okay, well, ACA is for adult children of alcoholics. Uh, I had gone to a therapist and uh, early in my uh, very early in my recovery, and, and uh, she kept wanting me to go to AA, and I says, "Busy, I don't drink. I don't have a problem drinking. It, it's, I don't. I, I wouldn't fit into the AA." So she she got together and, and came up with said, "Would you go to ACA?" And I said, "What's that?" She said, "It's a, adult children of alcoholics." I said, well, "Boy, that fits me right." I said, "My mother and father were alcoholic." Uh, my stepfather was, my grandfather was. I said, that sort of fits me. And when I got in there, I found out what it was about because 
as I said, I didn't have the addiction problem with the alcohol. I had the addiction problem with the cocaine. But I had been off of that for some time, and, and ACA was working because I, it had my issues that I needed to work on. I was an adult child. I raised an adult as a, a child of an alcoholic. I was in that family. And it was looking at the issues that I dealt with growing up and dealing with them and, t- and coming to terms with them and resolving them. And, boy, it fit me like a glove on the hand. I just That was where I wasn't needed to be. And then sometime after that, uh, when I decided to make the decision to be a counselor, that's when Frank gave me the... Uh, Serenity Bible book. Right. What were some of the issues that you, that as an adult child, that you worked um, on that, that made a difference for you? Well, I did, yeah, I did it, but they're the same issues that everybody has in, in the other groups, too. It's just that I could uh, relate to them closer because I was an adult child. It's anger and the, the abandonment and, and uh, attitudes and stuff like that. It's just, you know, they were all the same if whatever group it was. I just I could have gone to any group that was there, but I felt comfortable with ACA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was able to, to let go and let God. Right. You know, sometimes people uh, get real concerned about the, the the concept of forgiveness, and I, you know, forgiveness comes to different people in different ways, and it means different things to different people. What did it mean to you in that context of, as an adult child of an alcoholic? Well, it meant that I could take, or get away from the anger and forgive myself for doing what I was because uh, that's all I learned. Then I needed to learn new behaviors and, and uh, situa- for new situations and was able to, to say, hey, this, this is what I need to be and this is what I need to do. This is not, there's the old me looking at stuff and the new me saying, I, would, I don't want to do that again and finding ways to do it through the program. Right, yeah, that self-forgiveness really is a big topic for people. That um, it's interesting once you know you get in recovery, especially in an adult child program or that type of thing. It's uh, or any of the twelve-step programs. People a lot of times people come in with regrets about what they've what they've done, and and oh, yeah. it reframes it. it it's mm-hmm. sort of like okay, yeah, you need to make amends, and you were trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you know, same thing. But in the uh, principles, the twelve steps, forgiveness is in step eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, have a lot. The first first step is about honesty, reality, and surrender. And step two is about hope. And step three is about faith and selfishness. Step four is courage and honesty, and then trust for step five. And then you come down to the willingness in step six. And step seven is humility, which we have to have. And then forgiveness, love, and justice, and perseverance, and honesty, and spiritual awareness, step 11. That's my favorite one. And then number 12 is service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what uh, as a counselor, what got you in- interested in being a counselor? Uh, my son was killed under the influence. And I knew that it was a lot maybe my fault, and I wanted to give back to the community or be able to help others. Mm-hmm. And uh, went into it with the idea of uh, working with uh, adolescents. And <laughs> and uh, I went and got uh, three jobs at, uh, at three different treatment centers for my training, uh, for my uh, clinical training. And every time I got into the adolescent unit, within a short period of time, I was moved up to the uh, uh, adult. And after the third time, I said, okay, I guess what you're trying to tell me, I'm not to work with with adolescents, I'm supposed to work adults. (laughs) And went on from there. Mm -hmm. We had a long talk about it. uh, The last one I had, I went up to uh, Arbor Creek in in, uh, Sherman and went up there for the uh, adult opening they had and I talked to the uh, man the director of the uh, adolescent and he says well I have an opening too and I said well it's funny that's really what I wanted to do so he hired me for adolescent and within just a short period of time they came to me and said we want you to move over to the uh, adult I said but I like it here they said but you're going to be over here at adults and uh, I had a long talk with God on the way back home 
And uh, he decided that that's what I needed to do. So I didn't argue anymore. And I've been in with working with adolescents when I can, but my main focus had been on adults all these years. I listened to him for a change. <laughs> so tell us about that. How do you know when it's God talking to you, Bob? You- you do, yes. You sound like you have a really close relationship with God, and you sounds like you and God have conversations all the time, and that's great. How do you yeah. know? How do you know when it's God? Well, the first one we had was when I woke up that morning on uh, in uh, October thirty first at eighty five, and I, there was a a thought in my brain that says, "Bob, if you do this one more time, you'll die." And uh, I just knew, just knew that that meant that I would. That's what really pushed me into getting in the recovery. But I hung around for a while and got very depressed before I was able to get in. And um, the second time was when the job for the 12-step ministry. I think he held it for me for six months until I was ready to take the job. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the minister, the uh, Bible program, was strictly his because uh, uh, one of the days that one of the church members asked if I would go down to... uh, to the prison uh, city jail, county jail and do a program for him down there on Sunday. We went down there and, and had three different groups on Sunday afternoons. And like I recovery said, well, I groups, you mean? You had three recovery groups? No, they, this was a church group. We, we would go down and talk just to the inmates in the prisons. Right, okay. And uh, I said, but, I, you know, I'm not going to preach, but I can. Mo- most of them in there for good drugs and alcohol, so I can do something like that. They said that was fine. And what I have is a sheet I printed up that has step one and one of the verses in the Bible. Step two, the, another verse. And all the way through 12 steps and 12 verses, and I brought my Bible with me, the Serenity Bible. And we went through that, and it was very well uh, a success. Uh, and I mentioned to the girls, I always carried a few Bibles in my car, maybe a dozen, half a dozen, something like that. And I mentioned to the ladies, if anybody wanted one of these Bibles, I'd be glad to be able to mail you one. I couldn't leave anything in there because of the rules of the, of the prison. And next couple of weeks, I had we saw uh, uh, 30 ladies three times, 90 different ladies. And at the end of all getting all of the uh, uh, requests for Bibles in, I had 196 requests. And I said, I only got about a dozen Bibles. I can't do this. And I, I was leaving the office and, and feeling bad about that, that I would, couldn't take care of them. And I wasn't going to give them to one or two and not give them to all of them. I don't, wasn't uh, being right, I don't think. But driving through the parking lot, I just said, well, Bob, dummy, somebody's trying to tell you something. Get busy and do something about it. And I got on the phone with the publisher in Nashville, and I ended up ordering 500 Bibles and didn't have a crying dime to pay for them. And uh, 6,000 Bibles later, I had every time I ordered a group, a bunch of Bibles, I never had the money to pay for them, but I never missed a payment. He took care of that just in many different ways. But I ordered them, and I had the money in time to make the payment on the invoice. And that happened for, for until the last one, and I had some money donated, and I had for the last time enough money that I could order them and send the money. I felt a little funny about it. <laughs> but I, I, I put my trust in God, and he took care of it. Yeah, it makes me uh, think about, you know, when you're doing – when you're really working for God, when you're when you're truly have a pure heart and you've got that intention to 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 do something that's really of service, God rushes in and supports it. He does. He he does it uh, tremendously. Does I just uh, it's it's my God deal there. It's uh, uh, I'm just so pleased that I was able to do something that meant so much to me and reach out to so many people. It was a blessing for me to do it. It was this wonderful thing I could do. Um, and a little bit later on, I had a lady come in that was a, a rep for one of the uh, treatment centers. Wanted to know if we, but she had a place to put on a, a lecture series, a monthly lecture series. And we talked about it and got together. And we put it together and had it there at my church. And um, 
it's changed hands since then. Uh, uh, but uh, we, I've been doing it straight about 14 years. And, of course, we're doing it in your church now, and we're averaging 200, 250 people. And that's another one of those things I said, uh, you know, I've been talking about this, and, and a week later, here comes this lady wanting to do something like that. So talk to yourself sometimes. He listens, and, and things happen. It's, it was another God deal for the lecture series. It had been one of the best lecture series around, and it's been copied from many different places all over the country. Yeah, and it's a free, and it's it, free, and it's a gift to the professional community, and also to people in recovery because every because all kinds of people come. Uh, all kinds. We uh, there are credit training credits for the professional person, but we have the uh, treatment centers coming, uh, professionals, and just all all walks of people and coming in there uh, to to see them. And it's uh, we have we're fortunate in Dallas that we have terrific therapists that that can donate their time to do it so it's it's free to public the the therapist of course gives their time and it's just a a program that like we want to do to give back to the community Mm -hmm. what would your uh advice be to people in recovery that want to really have a lot of blessings of recovery you're able you seem like you're a person that really is able to do that bob you really let the blessings in how do you do it well, I, I just uh, I took the, the Bible was it for me. It took me, and that's what I wanted. And I said, "This is for me, and I'll do what I have to do to do it." And the twelve step program changed me to who I was. You know, I, I tell people, especially when I go to treatment centers, I said uh, I, I'll take them and, and work with them, and I tell them this way: that if you do this program to the best of your ability, with humility and honesty. And integrity, you will have a life-changing experience. It will change your life for you. From an addicted personality, a good, well-rounded, God-loving person. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of them that have have turned that way since since I've been doing the Bibles, running to them all the time. And it's just uh, it just uh, makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Right. What what are people hungry for when they're in those treatment centers and and first coming in and just coming off of a, some kind of uh, addiction or family members or whatever? What are they hungry for? They're just hungry for whatever can help them get out to beat the the uh, disease of addiction. Some of them are most of them come in there. They they want to work. Uh, and like it's what I say: if you do this to the best of your ability, it can't be done halfway. You have to do it, do it fully. There's nothing halfway about the job. What we say, and if you work, if you work it, if you work it, it works. If you don't, it won't. And that's a lot of the kids coming in or people coming in. They don't know what to do, and it's we have to teach them what it is, how it is, and, and what you need to do. Uh, and of course, each one is a little different. Some anger, some hurt, some. Some being uh, abused, uh, it, it's different with each with each person. We have to adapt to how they are and, and focus on that problem or that situation for them mm-hmm. to help them come to terms with it and come back and let the anger go and understand that it wasn't right, but it wasn't and it wasn't their fault. And let's move on from here. Right, it's like giving like people by. Healings, some of the things that happen to them that they can be in the present and they can go forward, they can have a different future than, than they had as a past. And sometimes that takes a lot for somebody to really know that. It can be quite it, a process. It's, it's, uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's forgive the person that it happened to or, or that did it, but also forgive yourself for being in it. And let's say, okay, I didn't like what happened. This so 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 did this to me. I recognize that, but there's nothing I can do about it. So how can I move on? Bob, thanks so much. We're going to take another short break. We'll be right back, and thank you for all that you're sharing with us. Stay with us as you're, if you're a listener, and we're going to be announcing the name of the uh, winner of our book when we come back for the third segment. We'll be right back. Attention, spirit seekers. Have you seen the new Unity magazine? 
It has a bold, fresh look and is filled with content to support you on every step of your spiritual journey. Each bi-monthly issue of Unity Magazine is read by people like you who are seeking answers to spiritual questions about relationships, meditation, divine potential, and more. Inside, you will find a wealth of news from the Unity Movement, inspirational articles, reviews on the latest spiritual books, and interviews with renowned spiritual teachers. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to www.unitymagazine.org. Unity Magazine is also available in most Unity Church bookstores. Join us as we discover the leading edge of Unity Thought, expand our consciousness, and experience a greater oneness with spirit. Good parenting doesn't happen by default. It's intentional. It's a decision about who you'll be and what you'll do in your family life. Join your hosts, Reverends Jennifer and Ogan Holder, each week for Unity Family Matters as they guide you on a spiritual journey, creating conscious family life. Experience the light side of parenting, realizing your divine identity while raising your children to know they are the light of God. Gain insights based on unity principles. Talk with today's prominent experts in spiritual parenting and address your questions and comments from spiritual perspectives. Unity Family Matters. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is Bridges of Spirit, and my guest is Bob Dickin. And Bob has been in recovery since 1985, and he has been a licensed chemical dependency counselor since 1991. He's worked at a variety of treatment centers and uh, was also the director of the 12-step ministry for 12 years. And he uh, has worked with just a whole lot of people over time, supporting them in their recovery and their spirituality. And he says he's given away 6,000 Serenity Bibles which is a, a Bible, a publication of uh, the Christian New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs that matches up the 12 steps with different verses in the Bible. And he's just had a great work in his life, and he's still at it. So um, we're glad that Bob's with us today. But before we uh, complete our uh, conversation here, I want to announce the winner of the 24-hour-a-day book, and that's Carol Lee. So Carol Lee, thank you very much for emailing us and you are the winner of the 24 hour a day book and we'll be getting that to you so thanks so much for taking the time to email us about that we're glad you're listening so bob we were uh talking uh in there about just before the break about how it is that uh you know when you're working with people that are coming into those treatment centers and and what they get out of it and what you get out of it what are some of the rewards that you've gotten as a counselor? How is it different for you that because you've done the 12-step ministry, you've been a recovery counselor than it would have been if you hadn't done those things, if you'd just, just been in recovery, although that's certainly a lot. But how's it blessed you? Oh, it's just the whole program has been a blessing to me. It, it's, it's made me much more strong in my faith uh, in God and um, made me a happy person. It's just... You know, things happen, but but the difference is now I know how to deal with them. You know, used to, if you got angry or something, you just flew off the handle and everything. Now, you know, it's okay to be angry. It's how you deal with it. It's just changed my whole attitude in life. And uh, hopefully we'll continue. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. I know that you have, um, you've worked with people with a variety of different kinds of addictions and so forth, and, and there are a lot of different ways that, that people can be in that addictive process. What are anything that you see that's different or not different or the same about people that are recovering from different kinds of addictions? No, the basic thing is that everybody has a problem 
well, if it's an addictive problem, the 12-step program works for all of them. fact is, uh, the 12-step the, uh, that I use uh, is, uh, is a generic, I would say. It's, it's uh, well, we, have, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction, whereas AA says we were powerless over alcohol. And that's the only change I made, and this program right here works for any addiction, sex, sex addicts, uh, uh, codependency, uh, alcohol, um, whatever it is, this is a program that works for all addictions. You just have to do the program correctly. Mm-hmm. What's some of the uh, biggest mistakes that people make, you think, in the work in the program? That it's easy. I hear that, or not, not wanting to put the work into it. And again, it's what I was talking to you right before you went on break. Uh, this is a hard program to do. You have to do it, and you have to do it to the best of your ability. Uh, continually, you make some uh, hard decisions in there. Uh, I say to people, a lot of them come in and do the one, two, three waltz. They do the first three steps and do one, two, three, one, two, three. Because when you get to four, five, and six, it's really getting rough because that's where you make your inventory, personal inventory, and uh, confess it to another person and uh, uh, admit it to God to yourself another person exact nature of your wrongs. That's a hard thing to do, to sit down and admit finally in a voice, a voice that you have done this and you are trying to work around it. But this was who I was, and I'm trying to, trying to take, uh, face it and go and do away with it where I can be a better person in my life. But the, the groups lose a lot of people when they start doing the fourth, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth steps because it really takes, as step four says, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of honesty to, to write down what what you are your shortcomings and what you did to others. It is not an easy program. It is a very, very hard program. But the rewards, if you do it, are just tremendous rewards. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't gotten this, but I also find out for myself and a lot of people I talk with, by doing a good 12-step program, if and when you do want to come back to a religion or to the church, it's a much easier program for you to do that. You really, you've already done all the work to, of acceptance and so forth, and it, it's really, it's wonderful to come back to church with, with a different attitude. So is church, uh, so you're saying you, you can come back to church with a different attitude. So it sounds like, so church is a real different experience for you now than it was before you got in recovery. Sounds uh, like I, I, yeah, it is in a way. It is. Uh, I for some time there, I had gone to a Bible study program at the church, and I'm looking, and they're talking about things that that are struggling with these things. And I thought to myself, you know, I'd struggle that with the program, and it it, it helped me get by it. And I don't have any problems like that anymore. Uh, it it prepares you to really open up and be uh, 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 easily. Uh, accept the uh, the teachings of of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is, uh, I know uh, one man I was talking to one time. Uh, well, I came to talk to their group, and I made a, 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 a statement that I said, uh, you know, I I know I'm here now, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't tell you tomorrow or the next week if I will be doing, but that's okay because I'm doing now what I'm supposed to be doing for God. And after the meeting, he says, how do you say that? He says, I've been trying that in, uh, for a long, long time. And he says, I just can't let go. And that's some of the biggest problems. People can't let go of their control and turn it over to their higher power. They hang on to it. And it is a very hard decision to say, okay, God, I can't do it. You do it for me. And be able to continue in that when things happen. Then he talks to you in one way or another. Always usually through somebody else. But it, it's a program that really can prepare you to be a very good Christian. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, what is it that helps you think that helps people let go? It is hard to let go. Oh, it is very hard. It is. It's, they won't, we all are control freaks to a part, you know, to some way or another. But uh, it's just uh, uh, things that you have to understand that you can't control. In fact, is uh, let's see here. I have, I have a, piece, a piece of paper that I give out to most of them about letting go, and uh, it's they they all read it and then they will look at it and say, "Gee, I didn't know that was what you meant by letting go. I had no idea that was what it was." So it here it is. Here's one I was looking for. I gave it to him, and it says, "To let go does not mean to stop caring. It means I can't do it for someone else." To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization I can't control others. To let go is not to enable, but to allow learning from natural consequences. To let go is to admit powerlessness, which means the outcome is not in my hands. Let go is not to try to change or blame others. It's to make the most of myself. And to let go is not to care for, but to be cared, but to care about. To let go is not to judge, but to al- allow another to be a human being. To let go is not in the middle, and to let go is not to be in the middle, arranging all of outcomes, but to allow others to affect their own destinies. Let go is not to regret the past, but grow and live for the future. And to let go is is to fear less and love more. That's beautiful. I, I cut it short. There's several of them in there I didn't read. I This kind of thing, I have uh, two cabinets cabinet full of this kind of stuff. Uh, every time I go someplace, I pick up something. I have, have a wonderful things that I turn out with. And God said no, and if God explained... Uh, Acceptance, let go. Uh, my favorite to go with go with flow, and mm-hmm. then of course my, my favorite is the Deserata, the prayer of the Deserata. Would you share that one with us? Do you have it there? Uh huh. Fact is, I got pulled it out a while ago when I was listening before I came home because the lady was talking about the first the first sentence in in uh, Deserata. Ah. Uh-huh. And it it says, "Go placidly amid the noise and haste." And remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others. Even the dull and ignorant, they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons, for they are a vexation to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be a greater or lesser person than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is a perennial as the grass. Take kindly to the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortunes, but do not distress yourself with imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome then uh, let me try that again. Beyond a wholesome, wholesome I can't say it, wholesome, <laughs> this, this, this one, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of God and charge of the universe, no less, than the less than, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here, and whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations and the noise and confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. Sorry about some of the move clubs there, but this, I love this this uh, this program, this uh, 
uh, mm-hmm. prayer. It's wonderful. Bob, our time is up. Uh, thank you so much. And that's beautiful. That's a, a great way to end. And uh, you've really shared uh, your spirit with us and that w- wonderful relationship, that joyful, close relationship that you have with God. And, and I appreciate it. I know my heart's been touched and I know everybody's has. Thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Thanks for the work you do. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Yeah. God bless. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening today. And uh, thank you for to Carol for uh, calling in and writing in about that book. And we'll get that to you. And know that... Um, Join us next week for a wonderful program, and be blessed and know that you're in my thoughts and prayers. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Warning. After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Rev. Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program and experience the Oneness Blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it, and it will become clear that you are the channel and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and 
practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.